morning, Rock Harbor. Good morning. Good, morning. Good to see everybody. Good to be here. It really is. Uh, it's been an emotional last couple days, and uh, you come in here with fellow believers and 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 realize that uh, the people that are the people that are going through the same stuff that you that you go through and that dealing with the same stuff that you deal with, it's always good to be in a place where we have like interests. We have like interest. And even though we live separate lives and everybody does their own thing, we're still in this together. And when you get to talking, which I think this is one of the reasons for fellowship, when you get to talking to people, regardless of how much you feel different than them, you get to talking to people and you realize that you are not so different. And that a lot of the same things that people go through are very much the same things that you go through. It might be in a different scenario, but it's still the same struggles. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, why God encourages us to fellowship and to, um, to be amongst the brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, for that very reason. And and on a more practical approach, sometimes it's just good to vent on somebody. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's good to just release your your stuff on somebody who who believes the same thing that you do, and that's good practical Christianity. All right, page six in our study guides. Moving right along here in our in our study, the virgin conceives. Central truth is the virgin birth of Jesus attests that he is the son of God. This is uh, one of the central pieces to our belief system, the virgin birth, correct? Uh, when you study this, this is a fantastic story to support this. Um, the, the event itself, obviously supernatural. This is one of the things that separates us from other faiths is the virgin birth. There is no other virgin birth in any other faith on the face of the planet. None. We're the only ones with that belief and not just a belief but the incarnate truth that comes with that. It's a big thing. All right, so... Um, under let's get started one of the most beautiful stories of obedience in the bible is the story of a young virgin in a small town of nazareth who received a visit from an angel mary was engaged to a man named joseph and was no doubt looking ahead to a future as an ordinary bride who would someday have children with her husband all right let's stop right there the key word you know you know what the key word there is out of that stretch is ordinary <laughs> and it was Looking ahead to a future as an ordinary. How many of you have ever said, I want, I just want to be ordinary? <laughs> I, and, and, I mean, it's kind of a, when you say that though, I really thought about this. When you say that, when you say that, because I've said this before and I've said it more than once, I just want to be ordinary. Now, you may think by saying that, you think, well, what are you doing? Are you lifting yourself up? Are you separating yourself from other people? No. Well, the Bible says to separate yourself. Right? Be separate from the world. Which already by doing that, you make yourself unordinary. Now that's difficult in and of itself. It's just to make yourself unordinary by stepping, uh, stepping away from what everyone else is doing. But when I, I looked at this, I, I just tried to imagine myself and I tried to put myself in her shoes. I just want to be ordinary. I, I just want to, in her situation, it was... High honor to give birth to children, right? It was high honor in that culture. I just want to give birth to children. I want to raise a family. I want to get married. And I just want to blend in with everyone else. And I thought about that. Now, I didn't say blend, but you know what that's... Ordinary is, is uh, inciting, I just want to blend in. That's what it is inside. I just want to be ordinary. That means that we're going to incite blending in with our society we're going to blend in with everything around us and we're just going to kind of i just want to live a happy life anybody with me it's kind of the american dream also and you've heard me talk about that in the past we've got to kind of separate ourselves from the american dream too in order to be effective in the kingdom for those of you that refute that or you may think that that's that's false just start citing what the american dream is and exactly what that entails and there are, it's pieces that look good, but when taken wholeheartedly, it 
kind of separates itself from everything else and kind of leaves God behind. Especially when you're pursuing everything that you desire and everything that you want. And I would say that the American dream is not the American dream anymore. The American dream is something totally different now. It's become something, it's morphed into something totally different. And so, no, I'm not, real, I'm not a real big fan of in, uh, talking about that kind of stuff because I, I, I'm not going to say that I don't believe in it. I'm just not, I don't believe in this version of it. So, back to ordinary. You and I know that we cannot be ordinary people. We can't. You're, you, when you chose a life in Christ, you chose a life away from the ordinary. You are unordinary. You are not an ordinary person. And, and it's, it would be better if it was you know, where we could and we could live the lives that we wanted to and not be bothered. Because I've said that before. I just want to go. I just kind of want to disappear, you know, into the abyss somewhere, some mountain or some valley somewhere, and some real beautiful, beautiful grass. Have you ever look at pictures of Switzerland? Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's like that's where I want to go live. And just in some small village somewhere, <laughs> and just kind of disappear. That's not the call, though, right? That's not the call. Yeah, if God calls you to evangelize a small village in Switzerland, go for it. And I'm happy for you. But, but the truth of it is, we've been called to evangelize here. Johnston County. We start with that, as far as area is concerned. So we're not ordinary. There's nothing, there's nothing ordinary. And, you know, it's funny. We're, we think we're ordinary, and then God comes into our life, and then we become unordinary, and then we realize the things that we believe, is, it's not going to work that way. We're not going to be able to do and continue down the same path that we were doing. We're going to have to take a different path, which makes us unordinary. You're different, right? You're different. When you were a kid, if you were called different, that was kind of like shameful. Like, you, you know, the corn, the kid in the corner with the dunce cap on. You know, that, you know, you get that visualization. Different. Well, that was like a bad thing. But see, to us, different should be a good thing. And being different in that aspect, in that aspect, it should be celebrated. Uh, the the world celebrates being different, but on uh, but being immoral. We're different, but we're immoral. No, we're different because we follow Christ. That's different. Yet, as a young Jewish girl, she was also looking forward to the coming Messiah. You got to remember that. There's not a period there, but I just want to stop real quick. You got to remember that as a young Jewish girl, that was actually the, the prophecy and stuff that she was actually looking for that too. That was her belief system. She, she's looking for, these were the prophecies that had come forth and they're looking for the coming Messiah. So she's, remember, she's like, okay, I'm waiting for the coming Messiah too. This is going to be great. You know, this is a part of our belief. Well, things kind of changed for her. But had no idea she would be chosen by God to bring the Savior into the world. Her obedience to God would change every part of her life um here's here's a thought for you and then we're going to keep going because we're still under let's get started but i had a lot of thoughts on this um when it says right here in the lesson talks about um her obedience to god would change every part of her life um you see when god calls it's you you understand what i mean when he calls you it's you it's not like I choose you, but there's some other options out there. No, that's not what he does. He chooses you, and he hasn't chosen anyone else. And that has been a real sticking point in my own belief and my faith is that I have a family. I have a wife, and I have five children, and they all have a lot. They have you know things going on in their lives, and, and my job is to raise those kids and to be a husband and to be a father, and I have a circle in which I am supposed to be influencing. That's no one else's job but mine. I can't put that on you. I can't put that on my neighbor. I can't put that on anyone else. That's mine. That's also yours in your circle. Your family, your children, your neighbors, your life. You're supposed to affect those people because that's the area that you've been called to. Being a dad, for you dads in here, is a calling. It's a calling. And it's something that we uphold, something that God takes seriously, right? It's not just simply, well, I chose this life. Yeah, you chose it, but within the confines of what God chose. 
So who's really in control there? Who's really made the decision about the position that you hold? Him. So that's something to think about and to consider. And so it wasn't anyone else. It's you. He chose you. And so there's no, there's no getting away from it. We have a bit of a responsibility that's on us, and I don't mean to make it sound like a burden because it's not. But there is a bit of a responsibility on our shoulders to carry, and we have to be up for the challenge. Moms and dads alike. Moms and dads alike. Grandmas and grandpas. Up for the challenge of the role that you've been put in. Because no doubt, you're in a role that has to be filled. And if you don't fill it, no one else is going to. I, you know, you, the saying goes, well, if, uh, if you don't do it, somebody else will. No. You, you, listen, I'm a husband. And I might have a title of husband, but I still have to be a husband. There's a lot of people out there that simply hold the title, but are not actually that person. Does that make sense? They hold the title of a dad, but they're not really a dad. They hold the title of a mom, but they're not really a mom. You've got to consider that. You've been called to these areas in your life, and I don't know why I'm talking about mom and dad exactly, but it's true. Um, I think that's a very a, a very heavy calling on our life that we have to recognize if that's you. Okay, so Joseph was preparing for his marriage to Mary, building the home where they would live when he learned of Mary's visit from the angel. Scripture tells us that he was considering his options when he too received a message from God. Both Mary and Joseph accepted the roles God had given for them and to wholeheartedly obey God regardless of any apprehensions uh, they might have had. Accepting the role is very difficult in our society. People don't want to accept their roles. Do they? They don't want to accept their roles as a female or a male. They don't want to accept their roles no more. They want to change it to whatever they want to. That's perversion. You can't do that. The virgin birth is one of the most important teachings in the Bible. It reveals that Jesus is truly the Son of God. He did not come as a result of human procreation. And I'm, I'm thankful that he didn't come that way. I'm thankful, and you, we should all be thankful for that because that's a that's important uh, an important aspect of the of obviously our faith. But that really separated him from everyone else is the the uh, conception through the Holy Spirit. So some deny the virgin birth because they do not believe in miracles. Others deny this miraculous event because they reject Jesus as the Son of God. And Savior. However, the Bible is clear. Jesus was born of a virgin. He is the Son of God. Well, I mean, let me let me bring a little bit more clarity to that, and then let's all let's also just look at the, you know, what actually happened, not just in that point, but throughout the rest of the Bible. If you're going to look at the Bible as a historical piece, and you can, if you're going to look at the Bible as a historical piece, and you start tracing these things out, and you look at the things that happened with Paul and the things that he talked about, about Jesus and him being the, the only way, and you start tracing this thing back, all the way back, it comes to a virgin birth. Just follow the breadcrumb trail. It takes you all the way back to a virgin birth. If you don't believe that, then nothing else can be true. It's impossible. So it Scripture is is um, based one scripture on another, but it's all based on a truth that has a story to it. I mean, there's no way you can look at some of the words that Jesus said. No way. You can look at the words that Jesus said and say, I believe that, but not believe in the virgin birth. It doesn't make sense. You can't build anything else on top of that if you don't believe it. It all started with the virgin birth. And so as a, as a believer, you, we look at that and some say, well, there's not, any, it's not really any evidence to support that. There's plenty of evidence. Even though you may look at that piece and some historians look at it and they'll say, well, we can't really prove that she was a virgin. Seriously, in their culture? Yes. By her age? Yes. Flower of her youth? Yes, she was a virgin. She was a virgin. But not only that, if you look at the culture and the religion and the way that they operated... Not only do we know that she was a virgin, but every other scripture after that being based on that truth alone, guys, there's no shaky ground here. It's absolute and conclusive. You gotta have evidence in your faith. Sure. Yeah. And 
and I just I I love to be able to look at other scriptures and then see not only what I believe, but then be able to look back at this and say, obviously, it's then it becomes more obvious, right? Of the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would you disbelieve that? Because there's no reason to disbelieve it. You have no evidence to disbelieve. Some people say, well, I have no evidence to believe. Well, you ain't got no evidence to disbelieve either. Okay. Um, let's move to our scriptures. Page seven. Haley, go ahead. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Thank you. All right. Part one, the angel Gabriel visits Mary. Six months after Elizabeth conceived, God sent Gabriel to the village of Nazareth with a message for a young virgin named Mary who was engaged to Joseph, who was of the lineage of David. This was important. Obviously, we know this being in the lineage of David. The Messiah was to come through the line of David. Joseph was not the natural father of Jesus, but Jesus would be considered his son. Yes, how else would it have happened? It's a supernatural birth. We understand that, right? Not the typical procreation scenario. So it had to happen this way. The greeting favored... uh, The greeting... Favored woman indicates God had chosen Mary for an important assignment. He would give her courage to fulfill it. Mary was startled at the angel's greeting. Wouldn't you have been? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we think think of her as being, think of it like this. She's thinking, I guess in a sense, how would the Messiah come? I'm looking forward to the Messiah. You know, all of these beliefs of, we don't really know how this is all going to happen. And all of a sudden, one day she's approached by an angel and says, it's you. Now, can you imagine, I mean, having this kind of belief and, and knowing the prophecies, and then all of a sudden that you're approached by an angel and say, God has chosen you to fulfill this prophecy. Now, think about it like this. What if, what if the Lord comes to you, you're thinking, and this is, it's happened to me in, in certain sense. It's like, there's got to be, there's a job that needs to be done. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Something needs to be done. I have a heart for something. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at it, you know, from an external, you know, outside of it, looking in, thinking something needs to be done about that. Somebody needs to say something. Somebody needs to do something. And I go to, I go to the Lord in prayer, not with that on my heart, but I go to the Lord in prayer. And he speaks to me and he goes, You are going to do something about it. It's you. Mm -hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second here. I just want to see you do a great work. Yeah, and I'm going to choose you to do it. Amen. Do it. Now, is that always glamorous? No. You know what's funny about being called of God? I, I don't know if it's our culture or if it's just human, the humanity, you know, the way that we think. We always have like this idea in mind of grandeur. 
Please tell me I'm not the only one that thinks that. Amen. Like you learn, you're going to go forward for God, but there's always a grandeur kind of mentality, like flowers and and money and just all these great. The God's just going to bless me. It's just going to be great. Amen. And, and it's great, but not in my terms. It's in His terms. The great, great's kind of subjective. <laughs> go ahead, Jim, and then late I'll let you talk there. Go ahead. Well, I would. Uh... I would tell those that uh, couldn't that just couldn't believe it to go back and uh, read the all the prophecies of it. Yeah. Years and years. And sure. I don't know how many hundred years before. Right. Or a thousand years before. And uh, if they didn't know know that, how if God hadn't revealed it, how are they going to know it? Yeah. And and that's one of the you know being it so long now. Um, a lot of people don't even understand that 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 prophecy was fulfilled through that, and they 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 doubt that. So, it, it, you're right, Jim. Just looking back through history answers a lot of the question in itself. That's good. Man, I think it's awesome. You know, we think about the power of the Holy Spirit and what what He's capable of doing, and man, what a display! I yes, mean, came in and conceived. You know, with a virgin <laughs> woman. I, I, that's some power right there. That's power. Yeah. That's yeah. very powerful. Yes. All right. Very good. Okay. Um, Gabriel's description of the son Mary would give birth to uh, is filled with Old Testament descriptions of the Messiah. Jesus is the Old Testament name, Joshua, meaning Yahweh saves. Most high refers to God. Throne of his ancestor David is linked to several Old Testament scriptures, including 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 14, Psalms 2, 7 through 9, 89, 26 through 29. Jesus' eternal kingdom fulfills God's plan through the line of David. So that was another part of the prophecy uh, being fulfilled in what Jim was referring to as the historic evidence is this, it come through the line of David. Gabriel's message to Mary must have been overwhelming. Yes, it was, it, yeah, we already covered that, but yes, it had to be overwhelming. How could she become pregnant when she was not yet married to Joseph? Mary would become pregnant through a supernatural act of God by the Holy Spirit. Because of this, he will be holy, as such he is the Son of God. Elizabeth's experience had shown that God could do the impossible. What God decreed, he would bring to pass. Now, well, think about it like this. What would have happened, let's just, I want to get somebody to weigh in on this. What would have happened had it not happened through a virgin birth? Had, it been, had, had there been the claim that the Messiah was among them through a procreation birth, what would have been some of the... the, the um, blowback of making a claim like that. Mary and Joseph gets married. There's procreation. They have a child and they and then they say this is the son of God. What what could what would have happened? Well, how can two humans do that? They're humans. It's not supernatural. So that okay. No so it takes supernatural. Yes. And Haley's right. It's you take you're taking the supernatural out of the equation completely. Everything would have been ordinary. Exactly. So, something supernatural had to occur. It had to occur there. Some something, um, something great, but at the same time, something quite difficult. Some, something quite difficult. Yeah. Had to. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We'd have still been without a savior. We'd have still been without. Yeah. And so the way that God chose, I mean, it was the proper way. It was the right way. But I'd like to I'd like to kind of think about this from a practical perspective sometimes <clears throat> because it does help me to even more look into the supernatural way that God has done things and be quite thankful for the way that it went. Okay, moving on. Mary fully understood the cultural implications of what God was asking her to do. She would experience shame, ridicule, and possible rejection by her family and community when they discovered she was pregnant. And the first question that we comes to mind is, couldn't you have chosen a different way? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I like about this, and I like I like the way the lesson did this because this is absolutely true. You could say she was put at risk 
uh, shame, ridicule, rejection, family, issues, all kinds of stuff. But isn't that the theme of following Jesus? It had to be. I mean, if it was any other way, if it was, once again, if it was ordinary, it wouldn't have worked. Amen. And so for, for it to happen like this, you already start seeing the theme of what your life is going to be like when you make the commitment to following. You can already see it. So Mary had to put herself at risk. Joseph put himself at risk, but both trusted in the Lord, right? Was it easy? No. As a matter of fact, with that kind of separation and dedication, then they made the situation that was already difficult that much more complicated. Any time you choose to follow the Lord in wholeheartedness, it's going to be difficult. There's not oh, one aspect of your life that's going to automatically just, you say, oh, man, it just got so easy. It got so much better. It's like, man, listen, it's, yes, God does bless us with certain attributes of peace and, and um, prosperity, but truly following the Lord actually, I mean, biblically speaking, Truly following the Lord leads to rejection. Yeah. You can't avoid that. But severely, in Mary's case, it was a death sentence. Yeah, it was a death sentence. That's as bad as it gets. Mm -hmm. and of course, God had a plan to protect her, but still, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had to move. I mean, it was just, there was just, there's so much wrapped up in that bundle uh, of making that kind of commitment. So, so thinking about what they went through. Now, Let's 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 apply that. Let's apply it. it why, why are we not thinking that just noticing what they went through by making a commitment to submit to God's plan? Why are we thinking that our lives are going to be any different when we make a commitment to submit to God's plan? And if it, it, at all, and, and I don't have to keep harping on it at all, but I mean, if you've done any kind of looking into that on Christianity and, and what Christians went through throughout the last 2,000 years, it's not exactly been easy for us. And, and the fact that you're sitting here right now um, is it really a testament to, it's a testament to God, but it's at the same time, and I, and I hope you understand what I mean by this, it's a testament to people that refuse to allow it to die and kept carrying it on even in the face of death and danger. Just study a little bit of Christian history, just a, just a little. And... The things that people went through to make sure that it kept going is very important. Uh, we celebrate. Listen, do, do we not celebrate the history of our country? The, the, the history of, of the, uh, the purists coming, uh, coming in and establishing a colony and the, 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 the death of the many of them uh, and during cold winters, right? We celebrate that as a country. We should celebrate our history as Christians and the people that came before us that sacrificed their lives to make sure that you could be sitting here believing what you believe right now. People have done that. Go ahead, Pastor. Oh, backing up a little bit. Think about God's selection of Mary. Sure, I thought Why about that. Mary? Yeah. Is, was she predestined? Did he see something in her heart? That's a good question. I like that. Evidently, she was totally committed to God even before this happened. Yep. She, I think it just said, I mean, she even used the word servant. Yeah, it does. It I think does. it does. And, and uh, But it's just amazing, it, and I won't spend a lot of time, just think about, wow, one person out of millions that kind of thing. Exactly. There's a lot of young maidens that have just decided her, but she's the one. Yes. Well, quite, quite a... Quite an honor, but but also unbelievable that being chosen. And to piggyback off what he's saying, she was so young, and to yes. be so young and so obedient to God, and He saw how pure her heart was. I've read a lot about Mary. Mary is like beautiful to me. Her story. Mm -hmm. So we have no excuse as adults not to have that same because she was so young and God picked her. So she is just so special. I think her story is really special. Yeah, considering considering where she was at in her life, I mean her whole life ahead of her mm -hmm. like and once again coming back to that ordinary I just want to blend in I just I don't want to I don't want to become I don't want to separate myself I just want to kind of do what everyone else is doing fulfill my honor as a wife have bare children uh, which attained high honor 
and be committed to my husband. I just want to do those things. And that's the way God works, though. God comes in, and he's like, he drops a, a bomb in your apple cart, and he's like, hey, things ain't going to go the way, you know. How, let me ask a question here, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we, we need to get into section two. How many of you, when you made a commitment to God, and, I, and I'm not fishing for your personal business here, but I'm just simply wanting to verify something. How many of you, when you made a commitment to God, that it upset the apple cart in your family? It was like, the family was like, now, what's this new belief you've got? What's this stuff? You don't say the same things you used to do. It kind of upset some things. And sometimes our idea is, is that, well, God's going to kind of, you know, he's going to bring everything together. And it's just going to work out perfectly. No, the moment you decided to follow the Lord, all of a sudden, rejection. And it's been that way since the beginning. It's been that way since the beginning. Oh, it's funny that you say that because I've actually heard family members say, don't you guys think you're taking, you're taking a little too far? <laughs> okay, that's good. Did you take it? I was, I've been asked that before. Back. That's good. <laughs> we go, yes, we have taken it way too far. We are going all the way. That's good. And, and I think, you know, I'm sure some of you can share similar stories. But that's when we made the decision to serve the Lord, you put yourself in harm's way. You put yourself in a place of rejection. You, you, that's what you do. And this is what Pastor and I have been talking about in these last days, the, the days that we're living in. True Christians, true Christianity will be separated from the fake. True Christians will be weeded out from the fake because the bride that he's coming back for has got to be the perfect bride. That's not perfect in action. We're sinners saved by grace but we uh it's the the ones he's coming back with the bride is a bride that's actually committed to him and not anything else um i was i can't remember who i was talking to about it we i don't remember exactly the the context the context of the conversation but it had a lot to do with what i'm seeing today and in that people in blatant uh disobedience to god and they still have a form of Christianity, and it's weird. And, and I, you've heard me talk about it before. I'm starting to see blatant, abominable actions take place in bringing Jesus into the midst of it. I'm like, whoa! That's stuff I'd have never thought I'd have heard. Because for a long time, they stayed away from that. They were like, you people believe in Jesus, and then we're over here. And now there's been this like weird merger. And then people, now the abominable are bringing it in and saying, we believe in Jesus too. And then the Christians, or the ones that were supposed to be, are like, you're right. Good job. Inclusive. And, it, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is why there had to be a separation in the last days. This is why it had to be this way. And I'm not knocking at anybody. I'm not coming against anybody individually. I'm saying, sin is still sin. And, and let me throw this out there too. Sin is still sin, whether it's someone out there doing it or whether it's me doing it. It's still sin. You say, well, he goes to church and he teaches. Hey, look, if I do it, it's still sin. It doesn't matter what position I hold. It doesn't matter. Well, I don't know. If it, we were sitting there. Um, we had dinner the other night. It was me, Danny, and that's probably a little off topic. But I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but there's been a lot of bad commercials and stuff going on like homosexual stuff yep. uh, and we're like this is it's getting bad now it's like the whole kids uh, older adults us uh, Christians you know we don't want that stuff on the commercial mm. no no and we should guard our children from it can we agree on that mm. can we agree that we should guard our children we should guard them we should tell them the truth we've, we've talked about this in here and I'm not bantering I, I'm just saying that once again Come back to sin, and there's and, and going along with what Rebecca's saying, and, and she's pointing. It, this is a great a great point she's making, but we also know that there's other abominable acts out there too, and those should also receive the same attention from the Christian community to stand up and push back, yeah. not just one, because that's the easiest easy, easier one to point at. I'm talking about all abominable acts, yeah. all things that are sin should be pushed back by the church. Well, biblically, basically, the velocity and magnitude of this very thing is going to be nothing against us. Yeah. I mean, we push back absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but there again, back to the point of selection, mm -hmm. talking about marriage, 
part of it too. Sure. You talk about the segregation of the true Christians, they're going to be very much persecuted, yeah. resisted, and opposed yeah. with the forceful, forceful. Mm-hmm. And that's something yeah. I believe Christians need yeah. to be getting ready for. Don't think this is going to be walked through the door mm-hmm. in these last days because there's a lot of stuff coming. And we're yeah. already seeing the beginning of it and it's accelerating and growing. Yeah. We're sitting here right now discussing. Sure. Daily, really. It's growing like yeah. wildfire. Yeah, it is. It's growing tremendously. And so I'd love to I'd love to talk about that more often, but we, we're gonna keep moving here. That's great. Okay. Um accepting God's plan would also impact our relationship with Joseph. Yeah. Talk about coming together under a strained circumstance. What would he say? Would he believe her? Would he reject her? Would she need to raise Jesus as a single mother without family and community support? Which that was what it would lead to total rejection. Mary's response, however, was immediate. The word servant or handmaid is often used to describe a slave. She willingly submitted her life to God and his plan for her. She would become the mother of his son in the midst of rejection. So she understood a culture cognitively, right? I mean, she'd been trained and taught in this, so she knew what the ramifications were, and she still chose to do it. That's exactly where we're at today in the face of so-called agendas so-called laws, so-called things that are being addressed that try to push against um, Christianity as a whole, push against morality as a whole. And so um, you know, and she knew, what the ramifications could be. She still said, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. That's exactly the same reply that, that God should get from us, is I'm your servant. Yeah, I'm good with it. Let's go. I mean, and I'm not even I'm not even trying to downplay this at all. I, I'm not. So when I say this, I, I don't take me the wrong way. What's the worst they could, are, are going to do? They could take your life from you. Listen, what's the worst they're going to do? They're going to take your life from you. Then you're going to go live with him. Amen. What's the worst that can be done? Yes, there's a lot of things that you could you can come up with things in your brain at times that I. I understand that can strike a lot of fear in you. But I'm talking about there you can only go so far before you've run out of options and I'm not going to sway. Try as you will, I'm going to stay committed to the Lord. And that's exactly what the church has to do today. I mean, listen, we got we got a government that's already trying to pass things and people already swaying now. You think you think that's rough? No, that's not rough. That's not trying. They haven't done anything yet. Yeah. And you got you already got weak people. And I'm just going to come out and say it, it's weak. It's weak Christianity. It's weak people. They wouldn't really they wouldn't really committed to begin with, and they were easily deceived. And so they pass a law and everybody just kind of jumps on board. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. So, I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to have to stay committed. And we're going to have to love him more than we love our own lives. That's another story, though. So, um, back to this again. Um, Obeying God is not always easy, but we obey him. He will accomplish his plan through us. Because that was really the most important thing anyway, right? Was his plan. Uh That that was actually the reason, and that was the whole thing, the reason of getting on board with, with him, was his plan was more important than your plan. And you've heard me make this point before, and I'm not going to beat it up. But for the sake of the lesson, this is not about you. And this is not about how well that God can make your life. This is about living for him and his plan for your life. Not me grabbing God and dragging him with me. It's him having a plan and me submitting to the plan. Which may not lead to everything that I ever wanted out of life. Correct? It could lead to some pretty difficult circumstances. You have to remember that. So that means that everything that we currently have right now, we have to be willing to give up. We have to be willing to sacrifice for the name of the Lord. All right, part two. Mary magnifies the Lord. Believing what God had told her, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. The words of Elizabeth in Luke 1, 42 through 45 would have encouraged her. Mary began to praise the Lord. Her song of praise is filled with Old Testament references and comes from a heart overwhelmed with God's goodness. On her way to visit Elizabeth, Mary probably reflected on Gabriel's visit and what this meant for her and the people of Israel. The words soul and spirit are a Hebrew parallelism 
expressing the same thought in two different ways. Mary was acknowledging her deep dependence on God. The prophets often mention God as Savior. Some teach that Mary never sinned. Well, yes, some have taught that, but there's only one sinless one, right? All right, so we know that the favor that God had on her wasn't necessarily from sinlessness. It was because um, she was a, 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 a woman of honor. Um, in Luke 1.48, Mary again used the word handmaiden, lowly servant girl, a word that describes a servant or a slave. By using this word, Mary willingly gave herself to the Lord as, he as his dedicated servant and example for all believers in Christ to follow. Yes, absolutely. Great example. Great example. This is what I'm, I'm really learning from this lesson and, and want to give you is that we learn from Mary's submission. We learn from Mary's submission. Um, there's uh, I watch a lot of basketball, you know, we watch a lot of basketball, we go to basketball games and stuff, and uh, I see a lot of different things out there. I see a lot of kids uh, with no, no desire to be obedient to the authorities that are above them. Mm -hmm. And even their parents. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a mess to me. And, and really, speaking from that context, when, when people are disobedient... And I'm not even specifically talking about the Lord. That's, that's one major thing, if, that's, if not the most important thing. But when people are disobedient to the people above them, things never work out. They never work out. And so we have to understand how precious it is to have the time left to be obedient to the Lord in this life. We still have time. We still have time to be obedient. And if we choose to disobey, listen, I understand that you might have goals and dreams and all kinds of different things that you want to accomplish. And, and I truly believe that God still gives the desires of the heart. And he will fulfill some of those things. But God's plan has to be more important than ours. It has to be. And if it's, if it's not more important than our plan, then, then we're still a bit selfish. And still a bit self-centered. And I'm not, I'm not knocking you for anything that you have going on in here. I get it. But at, at what point, listen, church, at what point does God become number one? At what point? When he gives us everything we ever wanted? When he supplies us with all the money that we ever wanted? When does God actually earn the right to be number one? The trick is, is that he should have never had to earn that. You should have gave it to him. Uh -huh. Because he earned it. It's not the other way around. It's it's linear. It's one way, his way, not our <laughs> way. So, anyway, go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was from a uh, from a large family. They was everywhere, and I run into some of them. Up, so, well, you think you're you better now than we are, than, than I am? That's a good family one. I yeah, said, you're no, better than us. I'm just different than I used to be. Right. You know, I'm not better. Because, I'm different. Yeah, I'm different than I used to be because I come to I come to God, and He made me a different person now. That's a good and point. And I don't do Sean. those things that I used to do. That's a good point. You know, and they tell you, "Well, you used to do this, and you used." I said, "Yeah, yep." But that was somebody else. It's right. not you. I said, "Well, in a sense, yes, it was me." Yes. Well. But it, it's not helped against me now because. I believe in Jesus Christ and he, he died for my sins. I think we should not have a problem with people remembering our pasts. You shouldn't have a problem with that. I think it's good, Jim. I'm glad you brought that up. We should not have a problem with people remembering our past. That actually should be welcome because that's a witnessing point. I mean, if people forget your past, then what kind of a witness are you? The only person that you should really even care about forgetting your past is God. And if he's authentically forgiven you and for, forgotten, which he has, if you've done it correctly, then you don't have that past anymore Amen. held against you. Did you do it? Yes, of course you did. And that's the funny thing about Christians today is they're kind of caught in this in-between. Did I, did I do that? Of course you did. Own up to it. That's what makes it so precious to be forgiven of Amen. is that you did it. But people try to make believe like there's, you know, like there's some kind of thing that happened that, no, I didn't actually do it and to then God. And you're born again, then you still again. have to go back. Absolutely. And you have to talk to God about Sin that. 
taints you. And it can only be resolved in God's hands. That's the only way it can be resolved. So when people come up to you and say, I know who you used to be, you say, yep, I did it. Used to be. I don't do that no more. That's not me anymore. I am a new creature. Amen. I have been made new. But don't, don't, don't deny your past, though. Don't. It's, it's, uh, it's the mistakes that we've made that people will learn from, and then that's where they find God. Okay, so what was occurring in her was a miracle from the mighty God. Uh, God is wholly set apart from his creation. However, he works in and through those whom he has created. Like Mary, we need to praise God for his goodness to us. Absolutely. God is holy, but he's also merciful. In the Old Testament, the word mercy describes God's faithful love. In sending his son, Jesus the Messiah, God was revealing his faithful love to all who fear him. God's mighty arm refers to the ways God has displayed his mercy toward those who fear him. But it also describes how God responds to those who are proud and haughty. In Mary's day and today, those who have authority and wealth often believe they do not need God. They will experience his judgment. Um, this, is, this is definitely one of the, the reasoning points that I've given here before, pastors given it before, that um, this is why your culture is dangerous to you and that you need to make sure that you really do know who God is mm -hmm. in your heart. Because every single time I look at that and you start hearing about proud and haughty people in wealth and riches in the combination of the two, we automatically assume that wealth and rich people are Jeff Bezos and, and uh, all those people. Those are the rich people. No, 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 they're not. That's actually like less than a percent of, Amer of, of the worldwide population. Less than a percent you, in your American culture, are in a bigger majority of the wealth. And so, see, see, that automatically brings things into perspective. Because I've been pointing fingers at everybody for a long time. I point, I'm pointing at Bezos. I'm like, you're the rich guy. No, you're the rich guy. Amen. It's you. And so that should sound like warning signs, like to you. Like, whoa, whoa hold on a second now. Well, if that's the case, though, then we need to reevaluate our perspective and how we see things. Uh, listen, we live very wealthy here. We live well. We live really, really good. And so living in that wealth and living in that this society that we live in, sometimes it can numb you to the, to the need for Jesus. It can numb you. It's like everything's good here. We've got everything's fantastic. Everything's good. I don't, I don't have a need for nothing. The only reason you don't have a need for nothing is because he's allowed it. Amen. And so we need to make sure, Christians, especially American Christians, American Christians need to make sure that their salvation is correct. Make sure that you're not steeped in your society. We're seeing a lot of people today abandon what they call Christianity for their society. And it's a shame. That's a shame that we're bought out. Okay. I know some of these things are not easy to hear, and I apologize. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to upset you before you get into the service. I'm trying to tell you a truth, and I believe that these are we've got warning signs all around us that point to these things. So Mary concluded her praise with a reminder through Jesus, God has remembered his promise to the nation of Israel. God had promised Abraham that through his seed God would bless all nations. God's covenant with Abraham provides the basis by which God is demonstrating his faithful love. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. God is merciful. As we yield to him, he, uh, we will experience his mercy. Absolutely. Okay, part three. I got just a little bit of time, and then I'm gonna, we'll close up. So, um, section three. Matthew presents the account of Jesus' lineage through Joseph. Mary had been pledged to be Joseph's wife. This pledge could only be broken by divorce. Matthew emphasized Mary's virginity and her supernatural conception. Joseph was a righteous man. But he faced a dilemma, because we've been looking at this from Mary's perspective, right? But now the, the lesson is saying, okay, but let's look at it from Joseph's perspective. If he married, he would be admitting guilt. But if he did not want to bring but he did not want to bring public shame on Mary, because why? Well, he was a righteous man. He was like, nah, that's not it's not gonna be a good idea for to do that either. He decided on a private divorce, but God had a message for, for him. Addressing Joseph as son of David. So what is what is what is the angel addressing there? So he addresses Mary as, as an honorable woman. Then he addresses uh, um, Joseph as the son of David. He's a, a, announcing the lineage. 
which was very important because this is a part of the prophecy Amen. in which Jesus would come through. So, honorable woman, son of David. You see? Scriptural. I love that, though. I, I love the connection. The angel reminded him of his lineage. He said Mary had not been, uh, had not been unfaithful. He addressed that immediately. Like, let's get, the, let's get the pink elephant out of the room. Mary didn't do anything. She's, she's, she's good. And so, obviously, what did this do to Joseph? This restored his trust in her. He's like, oh, I didn't realize that we had been chosen. <laughs> so um, he said Mary had not been unfaithful, he was, uh, but was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fathers named their sons when they were circumcised. By naming Mary's baby, Joseph was making Jesus his child. Through Jesus, God would fulfill Isaiah's prophecy and prove God's faithful love. After the angel's message, Joseph obeyed and took Mary as his wife. He knew Jesus' conception was not the result of human sexual relations. Some teach that Mary's virginity was perpetual and that she and Joseph never had sexual relations, but Mary and Joseph had other children. This is true. Joseph understood that God was working out his plan of salvation, and he and Mary had a place in that plan. Thus, Joseph was obedient in every detail. He named the uh, baby born to Mary Jesus. God had indeed redeemed his people from their sins. So we talked a lot of, about a lot of stuff this morning. I'm out of time. We've, we've talked about a lot of things this morning. And, of course, we could capitalize on any of the topics. Uh, but I, w- I want you to, you know, as, as we talk about, you know, the, the historical aspect of our belief system and the, the historical evidence of Jesus' birth, I, I, w- I want to make sure that you understand that it's a, it's a huge privilege and honor just to be here this morning and to hear a word from God, because Pastor's going to come up here in just a bit, and he's going to give a word, right? That word is from the throne room of God. The word that you're going to receive is from the throne room of God. Pastor didn't make it up. He didn't come up with something right off the top of his head. You're going to get a word of God this morning, a word directly from the throne room straight to you. Think about what you're being given this morning. Think about the privilege and the, and the opportunity that you have just to be able to hear it. Now, not just to hear it, but to receive it and then to apply it. So I hope that you get something that you've been looking for today. Not a present, not something wrapped in a box, but a spiritual gift from God going to you this morning. God bless you guys. Have a good service.